Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, as Canadians wait for a vaccine, Alberta introduces tough new measures to curb the spread of the coronavirus. We simply must take these frankly dramatic measures to reduce general social interaction. It's the only way we can get on top of this and to prevent a doubling and then a doubling again of the demands on our healthcare system to a point that would become unsustainable. The Justice Minister urges MPs to pass the assisted dying bill. The basic thing that happens is a lot of people suffer needlessly thanks to Mr. O'Toole's inability to control uh, a certain rump element of his caucus. A lot of people in this caucus support this bill, as you saw voting already in the House of Commons. And warnings that tougher climate laws could lower the value of the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The TMX and all the pipelines coming out of Alberta rely on a robust production of petroleum products in Alberta, and that is not robust these days. It's Wednesday, December 9th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Uh, thanks for calling, Mark. So let's start with where we stand on vaccines. They are arriving soon. We've seen yesterday scenes of, uh, of Britons getting vaccinated, and that, of course, became a huge story, naturally. Uh, it has whet the appetite of Canadians, I'm sure, to see those those uh, stories playing out in this country. Uh, but there are still questions about how effectively we can roll out this vaccination program, where it's going to start. And the, meanwhile, the, the pandemic itself is still an issue, as we saw yesterday in Alberta, where they had to resort to drastic measures. I don't think Premier Jason Kenney had ever considered before uh, locking down some businesses and organizations, making masks mandatory in certain circumstances, and telling people what to do at Christmas time in a province that values its its freedom and liberty. So, uh, what's your sense of where we stand right now? Well, uh, you, you've made a pretty good summary of it there, Mark. You know, uh, with the vaccines now starting to be rolled out, uh, you know, first in the UK, uh, you're going to see them soon in the US, I'm sure, and uh, and the rollout will start in Canada uh, within, I think, uh, Dominic LeBlanc said yesterday days or a week or so, um, you know, there are still quite a few people who are not entirely sure they want to be in the first uh, tranche of, of vaccinations. I think there are people, whether it's the rather, uh, you know, malign influence of this anti-vaxxer movement or the crazy uh, disinformation that's coming from the U.S. about vaccines and about covid um, but I think there is some reluctance among certain people in Canada to try out the vaccine, or at least they want to see whether it's proving to be safe. Um, you know, so I think the initial uh, tranche of, um, of vaccines is around 250,000 of the Pfizer vaccine coming to Canada. I mean, the first uh, bit among uh, over 50 million doses that uh, that the Canadian government has ordered from Pfizer. But I, but I. I agree. You're suggesting there could be some uh, uh, bumps and potholes in the rollout of this, and I think that's uh, to be expected. This is a massive public health uh, initiative that's never been done, uh, anything even close to this in Canada. I mean, yes, there's been other vaccines from smallpox to polio over the years, but they were rolled out over a longer period of time. People weren't, you know, getting sick and dying the way they are now. So... Um, there will be, I think we should all expect some hiccups to take place. 
Meanwhile, in Alberta, I mean, I think Jason Kenney's government is reaping what it sowed. You know, if it didn't want to upset people or, or make uh, these anti-mask people or business people upset, so they just allowed the situation to fester almost exactly in the same way Republican states did in the U.S., and now uh, they're reaping the whirlwind. And, um, you know, it looks like Alberta might get uh, um, overcome with the, uh, with the outbreak before too long. Meanwhile, the Green Party is saying that the federal government should not be demanding some Canadians repay the CERB, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Uh, there were people who the government feels received it who should not have received it, and they're being told they have to repay it by the end of the year. What do you think about that? Well, you know, the Green Party, uh, fine for them to say that, but I think all of these government programs where it's public money being administered have to be done, uh, you know, in a pretty tight fashion. And if people, let's face it, you know, there's billions of dollars floating around. There are a lot of unethical people out there. There's a lot of people who know how to play the system. And uh, I don't think those people should get away with it. Now, you know, I'm sure there are cases where people mistakenly got the benefits or felt they were entitled but really weren't or some combination of the above. And in terms of repayment, they should be, you know, the government should be flexible on these things. But uh, they can't allow people to exploit or abuse the system unchallenged. And um, I think the Green Party is a little out of step, uh, as they often are, with public opinion on this. All right, let's turn to a couple of other stories. Uh, The Justice Minister is urging MPs to pass the assisted dying bill. This would create changes to Canada's existing legislation around this. The Conservatives are pushing back, saying uh, they will debate this all night if they have to. Uh, How important do you think it is for this bill to pass before the House rises for the winter break? Well, there's a a deadline of December 18th, with that nine days from now, um, after which uh, it looks like, I'm not a legal scholar, (laughs) far from it, but it does look like Quebec will be out uh, out of step with the rest of the country in terms of uh, the provisions of this of this legislation, um, you know, the, the government really is saying it's urgent to get it passed. I think the Conservatives make a decent point in that, you know, if it was that urgent, why did you probe Parliament earlier this year? And uh, a lot of things, including this legislation, got piled up on the uh, House agenda. Um, I do feel there's a little bit of playing politics here among the conservatives in terms of, you know, we're going to argue about this seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I don't really see that as a hill to die on, uh, you know, in terms of Canadian public opinion. But uh, And I also think the conservatives' uh, um, objections and, and uh, nitpicking about the COVID response has uh, hasn't done them any good, and they're probably trying to find something else to talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the goal of this entire legislation going back years was to try to provide a more humane response to people, uh, you know, suffering and dying. And, um, you know, it is a very tricky thing morally, ethically, constitutionally, and uh, there should be no, no wondering why it's so hard to get it sorted out. But uh, um, now I even see there's a Liberal MP who's also a doctor who's breaking ranks with the party on this. Uh, but I do think eventually it'll get passed because uh, I think the Bloc and the NDP will end up supporting it. Let's turn to the Trans Mountain Pipeline. The Parliamentary Budget Office yesterday said that the value of the pipeline, which is owned by Canadians now, 
is declining because of uh, the tougher climate laws that are being put in place. What do you think this means for the government, which uh, which purchased the pipeline? Well, I mean, it is dropping in value every day. The entire petroleum industry, I'm sorry to say, uh, the its its assets are being marked down almost on a daily basis. Um, you know, the TMX and all the pipelines coming out of Alberta rely on a robust production of, of petroleum products in Alberta, and that is not robust these days. You know, the whole industry is going through a massive multi-year, perhaps multi-decade transformation. It's going to be smaller at the end of this, and almost all of the assets involved in it are going to have to be repriced. And that's what's happening with, with TMX now. Uh, I don't think you know Canadians should look at this as we're a bunch of stock market uh, guys, or you know, gambling on making a, a tidy profit off this pipeline. Um, you know, Canadian government support for the pipeline is as much political as it is economic, and uh, we should all realize that this thing has a cost. And if uh, people support it, and it has to be done, it's going to come at a cost. Finally, Dan, uh, let's talk about Senator Lynn Bayak, uh, who has been criticized for much of what she has said and done in the past, and now there's a motion to remove her from the Senate, which is almost unprecedented. So um, I know there are people who have strong feelings about this from both sides. One, there are people who are who want to see Lynn Bayak uh, uh, removed from the Senate, and others who feel that this might be overstepping the mark in terms of the, the power that the Senate should have to remove one of its members. Well, there should be some way of getting them out of there. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it is a difficult thing. The, the Senate is part of Parliament. Parliament is supreme in this country. And, uh, you know, there, there have been members of Parliament and senators who have been forced out one way or the other, usually via political means. Uh, for behavior. Usually it's for corruption or fraud, that sort of thing. Um, in this case, it's it's this really, you know, persistent dedication to racism on the part of Senator Bayak, which uh, she's clung to all these years, and, and it's really a disgrace. Uh, and I think most people would agree with that. Uh, there is a small, persistent group saying, well, her she has the right to say anything she wants, uh, which is fine, uh, but why do we have to pay her salary and pension to listen to her go on as she has refused to go along with remedial measures the Senate proposed? So I can see why the Senate is fed up with her. And there are more people now of Indigenous descent in the Senate, and I think uh, they're going to keep at this until Bayak is either changed for good or, or learns something or is gone. So uh, maybe it is time in uh, 2020, 2021 for Canadians to figure out how to get rid of senators who seem to get appointed awfully easily, but are damned hard to dislodge once they're in the red chamber. All right. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Have a great day. Okay, Mark. Thanks for the call. Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. Canada has secured an agreement with Pfizer to begin early delivery of doses of their vaccine candidate. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At globalnews.ca, Mike Smith argues Justin Trudeau got his COVID-19 vaccine Christmas gift, but the Grinch 
still looms. Smith writes, You could practically hear the sighs of relief coming from liberal offices when the likelihood of early vaccines was announced. But the issue is still a politically vexing one for Justin Trudeau. For one thing, 249,000 doses will only be enough to vaccinate a small sliver of the population. Then there's the massive challenge of distributing a vaccine that must be stored in deep freeze temperatures. All of this points to a slow vaccine rollout. And the opposition will still be hounding Trudeau as it unfolds. In the Toronto Star, Sven Robinson, Tom Sanborn, and Robert Hackett argue it's time for Canada to axe the Trans Mountain Pipeline. They write, This is an issue for all Canadians. If we fail to meet our promised emissions cuts, we contribute to climate chaos that hurts our country and the world. The subsidy to the fossil fuel industry will come out of taxpayer pockets. And we will all have to deal with the dire consequences if vain hopes of petrol profits trump reconciliation with Indigenous peoples. It's never too late to stop throwing taxpayers' money at a pointless project. In the National Post, Tasha Carradine argues there can be no deal with China without the two Michaels' freedom. Carradine writes, This affair has turned from a test of Canada's relationship with China to a test of our relationship with the United States. Canada followed the rule of law in arresting Meng Wanzhou, respected the extradition treaty we have with our greatest ally, and incurred the wrath of Beijing as a result. Now that the United States is seeking a deal over Meng, it should honor Canada's stance and help secure Spavor and Kovrig's release or risk weakening relations between Ottawa and Washington. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. A major union will be holding a virtual news conference today to present its concerns over the Trudeau government's latest emergency economic aid program and how it might affect the hospitality and tourism sector. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, at 12.30 Eastern Time on Zoom, Canada's Hospitality Workers Union will host a media briefing to share concerns with journalists about the government's newest program announced just last week in the economic update. It's called the Highly Affected Sectors Credit Availability Program. It proposes, in a nutshell, to give interest-free guaranteed loans to certain sectors, including the hotel and tourism sectors, some arts and cultural industries, and smaller regional airlines. But the union will express concerns that because the details and the eligibility criteria for the program are unknown as of now, they're concerned that millions and millions of dollars in guaranteed loans funded by the taxpayer could end up benefiting companies and bank lenders instead of trickling down to the actual employees in the affected sectors. So, Mark, it'll be interesting to watch what the unions are proposing, what their questions and concerns are, and to wait for the government to explain more about how its latest economic assistance program for those hard-hit sectors will work. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Premier of Newfoundland and Labrador before attending the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. Defence Minister Harjit Sajjan will virtually attend the Association of Southeast Asian Nations Defence Ministers meeting. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will hold a news conference to share his expectations ahead of the Prime Minister's meeting with Premiers. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, December the 9th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.